Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Been a lot of interviews so far uh, over the past couple of weeks, so now it's time to start turning to where we talk about uh, some of the stuff that's going on throughout, uh, you know, Carolina athletics right now, uh, football-wise. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're going to turn look at the spring camp update today. Uh, talk a little bit about the spring game being canceled, and then finally we'll roll around and look at the impact that the decommitment of 2019 defensive end Hakeem Biamin will have on this team. So with us uh, to help us out will be our my guy Zach Hubbard uh, back after a while. It's been it's been a while, man. So how you been doing? I've been doing well. How about you, man? Good, good. So uh, yeah, I mean you know. I, get, or, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, like everyone else, you know, basketball season is over. So, um, you know, just, just how excited are you for football season right now? Well, with basketball season being over, like you mentioned, I'm very excited. I mean, now is the time of the year, specifically in spring practice and spring camp, that, uh, as Coach Fedora said uh, in recent interviews, this is where you develop depth. And after last season, uh, developing depth is going to be kind of a paramount goal for this team in the spring and then in the summer and going into the fall. Yeah, so I mean it really does start with, you know, that with with spring camp. They've already jumped into it. Uh it started back what I think it's been about 3 weeks now. They had their break uh for spring break and so now they're in full swing. Um you know, I know you you're on campus. Have you have you been able to get out there to see anything or not really? I've been able to get out there a little bit. Um it's you know, with Coach Fedora, he likes to keep things close to the vest. Um, not really as much of a media presence uh, in practices as you would have at other schools per se. But I've seen, certainly been there a couple times. I've certainly, you know, seen clips um, from other websites and other services that have shown, you know, pictures. I, I check the message boards and things like that. So I, I feel like I have a pretty good indication of what we're looking at in terms of this spring. Um for the UNC Tar Heels. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I know on here we talked to Pat James of GoHeels.com. So, you know, we got a little bit of information. But the thing that I think definitely helped a lot of people out was the interview that Coach Fedora did on Thursday with the media. Uh, kind of gave us some insight into some of the main storylines. The one I'm going to start with, um, you know, he says that the freshman quarterback are where they need to be and are the same as most of the freshman quarterback in the past. Um, you know, for most, I, I, maybe this is a good thing, but for me, um, I'm not going to say it's discouraging, but being a guy that was really high on Jace Reuter and a guy that was, you know, was sort, sort of wondering a little bit about Cade Fortin, um, you know, when he says that they're on the same level as some of these other freshmen, to me, that just sounds like these guys are kind of, they're, they're not at that level yet where they're going to be able to come in and have an impact as a true freshman. Maybe that's just me. Um, I don't know if you you were able to see that interview, but um, what, do you, what, what do you think about what Coach Fedora is saying right there in terms of the freshman quarterback? Um, I, I honestly don't see it as that much of an issue just because Coach Fedora has been very forthright with saying in the past that this is an offense that takes time to learn, not only for quarterbacks, but running backs for wide receivers for offensive line so it's really not discouraging for me that the freshman quarterbacks didn't come in and have an immediate impact immediately um see first team reps given to them 
I have seen. I've seen both of them. I've seen them throw. I've seen them go through progressions, and they look pretty good to me to start out. But I do understand that they are freshmen, and that I'm not seeing them in a in a live game scenario. But I mean, they they came in um, as an as early enrollees. They're getting there physically, which I think is always the first step. Is that you want to have these guys at the physical level that they need to be at, specifically Jace Reuter. I mean, Jace Reuter looks athletic. He looks muscular. He looks ready to be the dual-threat quarterback that you want in this Carolina offense. Uh, And the other side of that, I think, is that Coach Fedor has also said about the two incumbent quarterbacks, and Nathan Elliott and Chaz Surratt, is that they have taken steps forward. I mean, Nathan Elliott will be a fourth-year junior. He knows this offense. Uh, and Chas Surratt as well, um, over spring break, went and worked with a quarterback coach in California, I believe. Coach Fedora said either in that interview on Thursday or one before that he feels more confident now. He feels um, more in control of himself, which I think is what we were really asking for with Chaz. So it's not as disheartening to me that the freshmen aren't stepping up immediately because I think that the two upperclassmen that we have are really going to take a step forward this spring and in going to this fall. I heard that about Chaz, and yeah, for sure, that's definitely encouraging to hear that he went out there. And, you know, Coach Fedora really told the media even just being able to you know, watch him these couple of days after spring break has has been um, a lot better from Chaz. I really hope that his confidence is has gone up because I think, you know, we saw that last year with him at, you know, a certain point he started to lose a bit of confidence and that's what started to hurt his game. So, yeah, I mean, if he takes a step, that would definitely be huge. You know, these freshman quarterback quarterbacks, I, I think – Man, you know, we just, I, I don't know. Jace Ritter seems like that guy that could be the future, so I was hoping maybe he could come in and immediately come out with a bang, maybe be a little ahead because, you know, when when I consider what they're going to look for in freshman quarterback, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, Larry's saying, okay, you know, they're at the same spot as guys in the past like Surratt, guys like Nathan Elliott when they were – uh, freshman, but you know, I, I mean, I was kind of wondering maybe if one of them could be like Mitch Trubisky. But if one of those incumbents definitely step up, yeah, that shouldn't be something that we really have to worry about too much. You know, one of the other things that he focused on in there, I know there was a question that was asked about Anthony Ratliff Williams' development, and I've seen it from some of the other guys out there. Uh, as well, especially Taylor Vipolis. Right now, he seems to be taking it even to another level, you know, from the level that he was at last year where he led the team in receiving. Uh, you've been out there. Have you seen anything that you've really liked from Anthony Ratliff Williams? And do you believe that he is ready to be a guy that maybe not only takes over a number one role on the team, but could, you know, become one of those guys, as Taylor Vipolis said, that could be a first team all ACC wide receiver? You know, I've seen a lot of good things from him, and I, I've, I've watched him a little, and I've seen these things from Taylor Ripolis and others about how, and from Coach Fedora as well, about how uh, Anthony showed last season his athleticism, his speed. He's shown that he can be um, a high-quality, efficient ACC wide receiver, but now it's really working on the uh, the technique of it all. I mean, Anthony's a guy that came out of high school, uh, played quarterback in high school he was more of an athlete so it took some time to learn sort of the ins and outs of being a wide receiver but i think that's paying dividends 
now. I mean, we're seeing last year, uh, we saw the skill that he has. Now he's working on, you know, route running. He's working on avoiding his man. I, I do think that he's taking step for, steps forward, and I think that um, I don't want to make any predictions about uh, all ACC or anything like that, but I do think that he's taking the steps forward. He was the number one guy, in my opinion, last year, and I think he'll easily be that again. I really like what I think he's going to contribute this upcoming season, but I like the other guys around him as well. I mean, right now, with the ones are – uh, him, Anthony, uh, Daz Newsom, and Bo Corrales, which are two guys that I know that were both really high on uh, as wide receivers in right. this offense. And now they've had a season to kind of learn the scheme, to learn how to block a little bit more. I mean, you have Daz Newsom with his speed, and you have Bo Corrales that's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, kind of that long, lean, deep threat. Uh, and then you have other guys that are going to get reps this season. I mean, a, a lot of guys have talked about you know, this, uh, the early enrollee freshman, Deontay Brown, that's already gained weight and has gained experience being an early enrollee. That is, and it's really impressive, guys, uh, as he should, uh, given his blue-chip status. So um, there, there are multiple wide receivers within this offense that I can see being very good this coming year and extremely good in the years after that, not even counting the guys that will – get in in the summer as well. So I, I think there's certainly options for UNC at wide receiver in 2018 and into the future as well. Oh, I mean, receiver's probably, it's arguably the deepest position on the team. I mean, we talked about that when we broke down the depth chart. I mean, it's pretty much either that or defensive end at this point. And yeah, Diami Brown really getting a great start is is awesome, especially you know, with the fact that all all of the attention coming into camp really was focused on what is Jordan Adams going to do. He's our guy that we think is going to have the biggest impact early. And uh, Diami Brown showing us, hey man, that he may not be that number one guy to have an impact. It may be him uh, that instead shows up and, and has the biggest impact his freshman year. Um, I mean, that's not to discount anything against Jordan Adams. It's just Diami Brown is really, really stepping up big time and is one of the guys that's really been talked about a ton out of camp. Um, you know, I, one of the other guys that definitely showed up, this kind of getting away from the Fedora interview, and we'll get back into that in just a second. Um, Malik Robinson is a guy that really ha has shown up on a lot of people's radars. This was a guy that, you know, I, I was considered to be possibly in, in a battle for that vacant um, Sam linebacker spot that was left behind by Case and Collins. But, you know, most people, I think, coming into spring camp thought, you know, Dominic Ross probably has a pretty decent grip on that one. But right now, man, Malik Robinson's making a push. A lot of people talking about his great athleticism, his good coverage ability. Um, you know, and it, it, it showed a little bit last year on special teams. You know, what have you seen? And, and, you know, I know you've seen it online, but even just being out there, what have you seen from Malik Robinson uh, that you think could, you know, help him be an impactful player this coming season? I mean, for my opinion, all of the reports are true. He really is a guy that has stepped up as a contender uh, in the linebacker core this offseason. I mean, he was a guy that played special teams last year as a true freshman, which is always, to me, uh, a lot of people may not know about that. That's that's a big deal. If you have a guy that you're bringing in as a young guy, as a true freshman, that you want to develop early and develop into a 
solid, efficient player within your defense. They play on special teams early. They play as a true freshman. They play as a redshirt freshman, so on and so forth. So that sign to me was an early sign that this is a guy that can contribute early and often within the linebacking court. Now, within practice so far, it's been mainly Jonathan Smith, as we know from last season, and Dominic Ross kind of in with the ones. Um, So Malik Robinson hasn't really taken sort of his spot in the starting lineup, but that was not really to be expected. And if anything, it's good to see Dominic Ross take his step forward as well as an older player that's been with the team a little bit longer. It's always nice to see guys like that that you know have more experience and know the system take that step forward. Um, But I I do think Malik Robinson will be a linebacker that plays early and often, maybe not as a starter, but um, linebacker like defensive line, not as much as defensive line, but like defensive line as a position that you have to rotate bodies at. It's a physical position on the football field. So I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play a lot. Um, And he's someone that I'm really excited about, either at inside or outside back. He's got speed. He's got tackling ability. It sounds like he's good in coverage. So I'm really excited for him this year and in the future, as we've mentioned as well. I mean, you know, even if he doesn't get that start, like you said, you do have to rotate there. So we could see him behind Cole Holcomb, and there could be a chance to at least have some sort of impact back there. Um, I mean, you know, the the one main thing to take away from this for sure is the fact that there were concerns, that there still are some concerns when it comes to depth at linebacker, but seeing a guy like Malik Robinson, who's going to be one of our depth linebackers, perform well is, is definitely something that's encouraging. So, you know, one thing that Coach Fedora also focused on was the new additions to the coaching staff, primarily on uh, Coach Gillespie, the running back, Robert Gillespie, the running back's coach. He's come in um, and, you know, was just officially announced uh, sometime during last week. I don't remember the exact day, but, you know, he said that so far he, he really has liked what Coach Gillespie has brought to the table. And, you know, I mean, we know Coach Gillespie's background is, is pretty proven um, I mean, you know, you've seen it out there. Do the running backs really seem to be acclimating to him well? I think so. I mean, he's – the thing that's been pointing out to me already is that uh, Coach Gillespie alongside, you know, guys like Coach Pascal at the wide receiver position and uh, Coach Henry Baker at the cornerback position is that these are all young guys. And that, that's really something that stands out to these players uh, – Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe some people think that it shouldn't. But it is something that helps players connect. So I I think it has influenced how the running backs have responded already. I think he was obviously a guy that, as you've discussed before in other articles, is that this is a guy that knows how to coach wide receivers, or not wide receivers, knows how to coach running backs, had experience with that at Tennessee, coached some really good ones, even some NFL caliber running backs. So... I don't doubt his acumen as a running backs coach. It seems like he's done well so far. And it seems like the running backs as a unit has done well so far. I mean, right now you have um, kind of last year's starter, Jordan Brown, is somewhat limited. So he's really not going through those first team reps. But we have, you know, the, the phenom from last year, Michael Carter, is getting extended reps, which is always a good thing. You know, you and I both really are excited about his potential going forward. I mean, he did so much last year. But then also guys that I personally thought would move back to linebacker 
And Jonathan Sutton is getting a lot of some of those first and second team reps as well. Uh, we know what he brings to the table kind of as a, as a short yardage back, but maybe didn't get as many carries last season, but could see some more this coming season um, in situations where UNC just wants to grind out a, a couple yards here and there, maybe in goal line situations or third downs. Um, but also someone that I've noticed, at least physically, if not exclusively in his running ability, is uh, redshirt freshman Antoine Branch. He was injured last year, didn't really get to show us anything. But, I mean, I've seen this guy on the football field. I've seen this guy around campus. And he is the real deal in a physical sense. I mean, he is the prototypical power back that UNC really haven't had in a while. I mean, with Elijah Hood, you had some of those aspects. But he was really more of a fully balanced back that was able to use his speed and his power. With Anton Branch, you have more the traditional um, power back that teams have used for all of college football, for all of football in general. So I really like his potential in sparing roles this year and then in the coming years. I think that he, if used effectively within this offense, could be very good. I I think that um, it's really just to see how – um, Coach Fedora and the UNC staff use guys like Sutton and like Antoine Branch. I mean, last year uh, we played a lot out of uh, shotgun, out of these spread formations, which is the base offense. But um, in scenarios where you have these bigger backs, you somewhat need to, you know, maybe line up in more traditional pro type sets or add in some plays for them to diversify your offense. So it would be interesting to see how UNC utilizes these bigger backs in the run game this season. And, you know, we saw that, and, you know, that that's something that, you know, we struggled with definitely last year. You know, we tried to use Sutton in some of those situations where we were trying to run out of the shotgun in what you would call, I guess, like a power run situation. And, yeah, I mean, it really didn't work. So, yeah, maybe that is something that they definitely are going to have to consider, and that's good to hear from Antoine Branch uh, that he's back and running hard. And that's kind of what, you know, if you watched his high school tape, that's kind of what you were expecting. Um, I mean, not quite on the level of Orion Houston, you know, but still, you know, I, I think just maybe a little quicker. But, man, he's he's probably going to bring that edge. He is a bull in a china shop, and that is going to be something that we should all definitely look forward to. One of the other changes on the coaching staff this year really is just the influx of former Tar Heels. Quinshot Davis was one of the ones that we talked about earlier in the year coming in as a wide receiver assistant. He's still going to stay on the staff even with Gunther Brewer moving on. Alex Marsh is going to be on as a graduate assistant as well on the offensive line. And then you're going to have Jeff Schottmer, Shaq Rashad also joining the group. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've seen these guys out there, but really I think, you know, just from a Tar Heel fan perspective, having some of these guys back uh, is, is just really encouraging. What did you think about when you heard uh, that, that those guys were joining the staff? I mean, it was exciting for me as a Tar Heel fan and as a Tar Heel student that saw these guys play in person not one or two years ago, and now they're back and are involved uh, with the team again and are involved in the administrative aspect of that. I love that. I mean, I love whenever um, a staff can take in its own guys and its own players to kind of build the program up and build up the staff. And I think having players that are so recently connected to the program, guys like Quinshawn Davis, guys like Jeff Schottmer, Shaquille Rashad, uh, allow you 
to have more of that, not only the youth, but more of a, um, I've been in your shoes sort of aspect with the players. I mean, all of these guys can share their experiences that are not that far connected from the experiences of the college players that we have now. So it's something I really like. It's something that I think is going to be helpful to the team and to the program going forward. Yeah, and I mean, Shaq Rashad and Jeff Shopmer being reunited is definitely going to be something that should at least, if anything, liven up the environment that we have there because uh, we both know those guys were a ton of fun when they were on campus. So Exactly. One of the other things that you looked at, um, really, as we kind of shift focus, that you know, Coach Fedora did say in the interview, there will be no spring game this upcoming April. It was scheduled for the 14th. That has been canceled, unfortunately. Um, it comes with the stadium still being renovated. Um, I know if anybody saw the interview with them, even in the background, you could see that there were everything is removed, and they're still trying to install some seats. Um, but at the same time, I know I saw a picture that was taken by Todd Green the other day, um, who's a great journalist, a guy that does great graphic work for Toriel fans, um, if you want to check that out. But, um, you know, th- there looked like there's a pretty good amount of seats, if not the entire, that entire away side uh, is already in place. So, you know, something that I, I was kind of wondering, and I know, you know, with you being there, um, I mean, is that what has happened? Is the entire wayside already done and ready to go? From everything I've seen, it looks just about done. I mean, with projects like that, you never really know if it's done. I mean, there, I know there's a lot of little stuff that they have to do, but from everything I've seen, it looks like everything is done. So, I mean, the construction isn't really an issue. Um, so pe- people are still somewhat upset about um, not having a spring game. Uh, and I understand that as well. I feel somewhat upset. I was looking forward to going, and as was shared uh, in the Inside Carolina podcast, a fellow podcast this past week by Greg Barnes that works with Inside Carolina, um, with your program, you have to have opportunities for fans to feel a closeness with the program, and that's what the spring game does. It allows you to see these guys early. It allows you to develop even somewhat of a connection outside of the regular season. And that that's important to people. So to that aspect, I, I am a little upset that they canceled it. I don't know if it's the best thing for the program in terms of fan support, in terms of a general connectedness within Chapel Hill and the surrounding areas and around the state for Tardio fans with this team. But as Coach Fedora stated, Having a spring game counts as one of your practices. Um, and the spring game is kind of a different atmosphere than it would be for, you know, a closed scrimmage and a closed um, um, practice and things like that. And this is a team that needs to have these practices. I mean, as we've said, Developing depth here is paramount, especially with so many guys injured. I mean, you have Jordan Brown, as I mentioned, injured. You still have Thomas Jackson, Rontavius Groves injured. Offensive mm-hmm. line, you have J.J. McCargo, William Sweet. You have a couple defensive linemen, some linebackers, even some defensive backs. You have injuries essentially at every level of the team that still aren't able to practice here in the spring. So it's it's paramount for these younger guys to get reps in spring and to develop physically here in spring and to learn 
the offense and the defense here in spring. So for that, from that aspect, I'm not really worried about not having a spring game because I think that it will pay dividends for this team in the fall, and it could have an impact on them being better uh, in 2018 than they would be maybe if they hadn't had that extra scrimmage or extra practice. Yeah, I mean, for sure, developing talent is is key. And, you know, if Coach Fedora says that they really do need that to try to get the guys enough reps, that's kind of where he's going with, you know, saying that, you know, they're, they're the, the developing depth thing. You know, when you go to a spring game, you really don't have your chance to rotate everybody that you'd really want out there. I think we kind of saw that last year when they played in Fetzer. Um, I mean, yeah, that from that aspect, it's it's you can definitely understand where he's coming from on that by not being overly disappointed by it. Um, I mean, I definitely think there's probably some disappointment. More than likely, someone, one of the ESPN channels would have picked it up or it would have been on the ESPN app. So having some exposure is never really a bad thing. And, you know, I mean, being in, you know, in a game situation might also be something that, you know, maybe they, they would want to see what they, you know, how they could handle it with some crowd there. Um, you know, I mean, from an aspect of maybe, you know, just, just looking at kind of like a devil's advocate type thing for both sides of why to hold the spring game and why not, um, you know, I feel like... I, I don't really understand the move to cancel it in the if you're thinking that we're not going to have enough seats. I'm going to be really honest with you. Nobody goes to the spring game. None of if, unless you are a diehard fan, most of you are not going to be out there. So you know, in all honesty, there there really is room in the stadium. I mean, we're not we're not putting you know we're not filling the stadium to its capacity for a spring game. That's just not usually how it works for us. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, I understand the one thing that I think people have to also think about, you know, the ones that are saying, well, you know, they should just go ahead and hold it. You got to think right now with no other fields being able to be used, that means that every sport that uses a field, so soccer, lacrosse, field hockey, all that stuff is going to be on the, it's going to be in Keenan. They're all holding that in Keenan. So, you know that that's that's a lot of wear and tear on that grass, and then you got to think they hold football practices there too. Adding a you know a spring game that that could definitely be something that would you know be you know even more harmful to that turf, and then they end up having to re put it down and everything like that. That could end up costing them a practice or something for you know somewhere in the future. So. You know, I I don't really know, you know, the logistics of that. I'm not a guy that, you know, works for them or anything like that, so I can't tell you that. But for sure, you could see how both sides of the argument are, are there. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you and I'm with Coach Fedora. You know, this, the, the extra practice I think could definitely benefit this team big time uh, down the stretch. So, you know, the last thing that we're going to talk about one of the things that I think may have kind of gone under the radar a little bit with all the focus kind of being on March Madness and being, you know, really just focused on the basketball court in general, um, you know, Akeem Beaman, the 2019 defensive end, he comes from Lloyd C. Bird High School in Virginia. He actually decommitted from the Tar Heels last Monday. Um, he had been considering the decommitment for a while, according to a Rivals article that was released the day after he decommitted, where I, I don't remember which journalist it was. I think it might have been 
maybe Barton Simmons, but don't quote me on that. Um, he told him, you know, that he, uh, you know, this is something that he wanted to do before spring break, but for some reason he wasn't able to do that. Um, and he had been considering it even further past that because, you know, with the influx of new people, you know, new offers coming in, Alabama, Clemson, I know is in on them, Ohio State, South Carolina, those are the big four because those are the ones that he named as his top four. But I mean, pretty much any of the big name schools are in on this guy. Um, you know, that was something that he was considering and he ends up actually decommitting drops the heels to number 50 nationally in the rankings from 25th and drops them to 11th in the ACC recruiting rankings for 2019 from fifth. So, you know, I, I'm assuming you've seen it. Um, I'd also released an article the other day on it. So, you know, what is your initial reaction to the decommitment of Beeman? Zach, still there, man? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> from what I've seen, this is not a big surprise um, to me. Um, this is, you know, something that Tar Heel fans have been expecting for a while. Uh, this is a guy that committed very early. I mean, he committed at the Freak Show last summer. He committed basically as a sophomore. Um, and kind of the impression that I've gotten is that he has never really shown a lot of interest in UNC, but, you know, as a sophomore that didn't have a lot of offers, committed kind of there at the freak show. Some guys do that. They get, you know, wrapped up in everything, but uh, has been a guy that has gotten national attention and has gotten so, some more of those big-time offers that um, guys, you know, like to get and um, never really showed much interest after uh, the freak show in the Tar Heels, hadn't really have been taking visits other places so i i don't think that this was something that was unexpected it, it is obviously a blow i mean this was a a four-star guy um a, a top 300 uh 350 player in the nation uh on the defensive line which is going to be a big need for the targets in the class it, it's better that this happens now rather than later though it's better that this happens here in the spring than if it happened right before the early signing period in December, or even so far as to late January and late February. I mean, guys commit and take visits elsewhere, and that happens all the time, but this was a player that really didn't seem to be in love with Chapel Hill and in love with the Tar Heels. So I, I don't think that um, it's something to be worried about, per se. I mean, uh, UNC is going after a lot of defensive targets, uh, specifically in the defensive line, including five in-state defensive linemen. So I don't think that this loss is huge for the 2019 UNC recruiting class. I think this is a minor setback, and I think it's something that we'll have to work towards in the future. Um, and right now, here in spring of spring recruiting, you know, with the early signing period and having spring official visits now, uh, the recruiting period is a little bit more accelerated, but spring traditionally is really not a big time for football recruiting. I mean, it's really in the, in the summer as guys go to camps, such as our free show here. It's really in fall, you know, when the season is going on, guys go on more of their official visits there. Maybe in the future, spring will be a little bit more important. In fact, I'd even predict it to be so, but as of right now, I mean, it, this is an early decommitment. Everything is still up in the air especially for the target class, only two 
commitment. So it, it's it stings obviously to have a guy decommit, especially one that looks to be pretty talented. Um, but I think that there are other talented players that UNC is also in the running for. So it's it's not something that I had the biggest you know emotional response to. Right there with you on that, man. You know, looking at him, he was a guy that yeah, I, I wasn't. You know, I, I wasn't guaranteeing he was going to commit in this class. Like, pretty much every time I would look at the commitments in the class just to make sure someone didn't slip under the radar, you know, the, I would look at him and be like, there's no way we're keeping this kid. I've seen some of the other offers he's rolling in. He has not really been talking about Carolina at all. And, you know, that that's really not that shocking. And I'm with you. I don't think it's a massive impact. It's so early in the process. You know, as opposed to, as you said, you know, in the December, January area, kind of like with the, you know, it wasn't a Peyton Wilson type situation. We got this out of the way early, and now we can say, okay, well, that kid really wasn't as committed to this university as we'd like. Let's find these guys that are committed, like the way, you know, we want our guys to be committed here at Carolina. And you're right. I mean, looking at some of the guys that we're definitely taking a look at, I know uh, we got Colin Clay, who's a defensive end out in Oklahoma, who we're having a big impact on. And, uh, you know, he's really talked highly about us. In-state guy like Savion Jackson from Clayton High School in Clayton, North Carolina. So, you know, there are a lot of guys that we're going to be chasing in this class. And, you know, there's still plenty of time. This class is far from being over. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I was just, you know, making sure that you aren't in freakout mode. I think Toriel Nation has done a good job. We know usually they would overreact to something like this. But I think the time of year that he decided to decommit actually did help us. So, um, yeah, man. Hey, thanks for joining us for this. This was great. And uh, we will definitely be taking more of a look inside uh, as, as spring goes along. We'll definitely have a spring conclusion podcast where we'll talk about, um, you know, everything that's gone on in spring camp and kind of where these guys are going to be headed going into summer camp. So um, for right now, uh, we're going to get ready to step off. Uh, Zach, thanks for joining us, man. Um, you can follow him on Twitter. Give him the Twitter handle, man. Uh, that'd be at Hack Zubbard on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just tweet stuff about the Tar Heels. Obviously, come on here every once in a while, contribute. Hopefully, we'll contribute to the blog in the future. And uh, yeah, that's that's me. All right, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. And uh, as you guys know, you can subscribe basically anywhere. We're on all sorts of sites right now. Um, so just check my Twitter page for that, at Future Tar Heel. And uh, for now, we'll say goodbye from this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And as always, go Tar Heels. Oh.